This is the Visit the Zoo podcast, episode number 54. Today we hear about the Gila Monster, list part one, and about a cat. Hello and welcome everybody to Visit the Zoo, and I am your host, Frederick Fishman, and I'm also the author of the 12-book, 120-animal series of Visit the Zoo books uh, that's available on Amazon.com, and it's available as digital in an ebook on Kindle, in print, audio, DVD also that we produced. If you want links to all those books, you can go to zooanimals.info. That's zoo animals plural dot info that's our website for also the podcast as well if you're interested in any of the visit the zoo apparel with some great images and also our christmas merchandise is now up you can go to our merch site at zooswear.com and that's spelled z-o-o-z-w-e-a-r.com zooswear.com well We've got a lot going on today. There are some changes we're going to be making just for today. So I think we should get to it. And what we usually do is start off with some news stories. And I've got a couple of quick ones here for you because I want to really get to the meat of this particular podcast. And this is about our first story is about two rare white lion clubs on display at a zoo. And a zoo in central Mexico is growing its population of rare white lions with hopes of eventually establishing a sanctuary featuring the animals. The Altiplano Zoo in Tlaxcala, about two hours east of Mexico City, recently began proudly and publicly showing two white lion cubs that were born in March. Just about a dozen white lions remain in the wild, according to the Global White Lion Protection Trust, based in South Africa, though several hundred are held in zoos around the world. The Tlaxcala Zoo, run by the state government, has five other white lions. And this next story is from the Chester Chronicle in the UK, and this is about the Chester Zoo. The Chester Zoo will make 35,000 school visits free between November 2018, that's next month, to February 2019. The Chester Zoo will provide free entry to 35,000 school children later this year as part of a campaign to inspire a new wave of conservationists. The zoo, which is the UK's most visited tourist attraction outside of London and the country's most popular zoo, is both a conservation and an education charity. A scientific study supported by the zoo reported last year that people have significantly better understanding of biodiversity and conservation after a visit to a zoo. That's interesting. Conservationists hope that visiting the zoo will be the start of a lifelong conservation journey for many school children, some of whom who go on to play a crucial role in preventing the extinction of wildlife for years to come. And those are two quick stories for today. Well, usually, 
usually in this next segment, we have some mystery animal sounds, but the animal description is going to be so large and so comprehensive today, I'm going to skip it, and we're just going to get right into animal descriptions. And the animal we're going to talk about is the Gila monster. And I was going to do this as a recording, but there's so much material, and I do want to comment on this. I've decided to do this as a, a live read instead. So... Let's get into it and talk about the Gila monster. The Saguaro National Park has a split personality. It spreads out where we live here in Tucson, Arizona, where we podcast from. West of the city, it is designated as the Tucson Mountain District, and east of the city, it's designated as the Rincon Mountain District, and the park encompasses about 92,000 acres. In the Saguaro National Park, you have the quintessential desert national park with strictly desert variety plants. You won't see any polar bears or moose in this park just right next door to us. You will see broad expanses of saguaro cactus. You'll see rugged mountains, flat desert floor, even streams of water up in the mountains, and that is in the desert. In the animals you'll see, you'll see deer, mountain lion, coyote, skunk, the Arizona black rattlesnake, and the deadly western diamondback rattlesnake. And finally, the venomous subject of our animal description today, the Gila monster. We'll start with two little quick little asides about the Gila monster. Before we get into the description of this, could be possibly deadly beast. And um, the first thing that comes to my mind when I think about the Gila monster, is that great 1948 movie called Treasure of the Sierra Madre. It's set in the Mexican mountains and it's about the search for gold. And it was released on January the 24th, 1948. It was directed by John Houston and it starred Walter Houston, his father, Humphrey Bogart, Tim Holt. And there was a line in there where Fred C. Dobbs, who is played by Humphrey Bogart, is trying to find where some of his goods or his gold is buried or stashed away after they've been on the mountain. And he starts to look under a rock, and Walter Houston comes up and says to him, Yeah, you go ahead, uh, Dobbsy. Open that vault there that you've got and think you're going to find your goods. But you might find a Gila monster. And the line goes that if you cut off its head, it won't let go. And I was thinking about that. I was thinking, well, how is that possible? Well, as I read here in the description, you'll see that that it is possible. Also in that movie, by the way, is Bruce Bennett, who plays the intruder into the camp, and Alfonso Bedoya, who who plays the uh, great bandito, with a famous line that is... That has existed since 1948. I ain't got no stinking badges. And that was Alfonso Bedoya. Anyhow, let's talk about the Gila monster. It's a species of venomous lizard native to the southwestern United States and northwestern Mexican state of Sonora. It's typically a slow-moving lizard up to two feet long. Did you hear what I just said? Two feet long. The Gila monster is the only native to the U.S. and Mexico, venomous lizard. The other being the Mexican bearded lizard. Although the Gila monster is venomous, it's sluggish by nature and represents little threat to humans, especially since it spends most of its time under a rock waiting for prey to come down. 
but it has a, a fearsome reputation. Its cousin is the bearded lizard, the Mexican bearded lizard. The reason why I want to bring this up is because I, one day I was in the bedroom looking out the bedroom window and here comes this huge lizard. And it wasn't just a regular standard backyard lizard. This thing was big. It was about a foot long. And I went outside and um, I took a shovel and I knocked it off the, the, the screen. And on the way down, it grabbed a hold of the screen and just tore a one foot hole in the screen. The Gila monster... Their length from snout to the end of their tail is on standard from 10 to 14 inches with 20% of that length in their tail. However, they can reach up to 22 inches long. They can weigh as much as 5.1 pounds. The Gila monster has that one close living relative, like I mentioned, that's the, the bearded lizard. And the evolutionary history of these two guys can be traced back to the Cretaceous period. The name Gila, by the way, for Gila monster, refers to the Gila River Basin in the U.S. states of New Mexico and Arizona, where the Gila monster were once plentiful. It also has a range into Mexico as well. The Gila monster eats mostly small birds, mammals, frogs, smaller lizards, insects, carrion, but it likes reptile eggs. That's its probably its favorite. It may eat up to one-third of its body mass. The prey, the living prey, may be crushed to death if large or eaten alive, and if small, swallowed head first and helped down by the muscular contractions and neck flexing. Usually after the food has been swallowed, the Gila monster immediately resumes tongue flicking and search behavior, probably as a result of a history of finding clumped prey such as eggs and young insects. This is a monster. This is not a baby. It is probably the largest specimen uh, ever known in Arizona, and one was captured 27 inches long and weighed 35 pounds. And here's an interesting story. Back in 1890 in southeast Tucson, Arizona Territory around here, Empire Ranch owner Walter Vale captured and thought he had killed a Gila monster. He tried to saddle it and it bit his middle finger on his right hand and wouldn't let go. A ranch hand pried open the lizard's mouth with a pocket knife and cut open man's finger and tried to bleed it out and finally he was taken to Tucson for treatment. He experienced swelling and bleeding, but that's about it. So he was lucky. The Gila monster, by the way, produces a venom that is modified in its lower jaw as opposed to something like a rattlesnake where the venom is produced in its upper jaw. The Gila monster lacks the musculature to forcibly inject the venom. Instead, the venom is propelled from the gland by the tooth by chewing. Although the venom is a neurotoxin, it's, it's as bad as a coral snake, but it won't quite kill you, but it'll really put you in a world of hurt. Strangely enough, that saliva is being used by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration as possible treatment for people with type 2 diabetes or even as further study for Alzheimer's as well. This is really part two of this description of the Gila monster. And there was a wonderful article that I happened to stumble onto by Mark Mancini. 
And this is dated about two years ago, and it's about biting facts about Gila monsters. And I'm just going to read some of this rather than paraphrase it because it's, it's written so well. The first biting fact that he makes about the Gila monster is that they are more common than we once thought. Our world is home to more than 4,600 lizard species. And up until fairly recently, science believed that only two of these, the Gila monster and its close relative, the Mexican bearded lizard, produced venom. But it turns out that this talent is fairly widespread. Getting bitten by one is an agonizing ordeal. Should you see one of these lizards in the wild, admire it all you like, but give the animal plenty of space. A frightened Gila monster will open its purple gum maw and hiss in a theatrical display that says, back off. Some people don't get the message. When an aggressor fails to retreat, the Gila monster deploys their secret weapon, and delivery method can be almost as painful as the toxin itself. In general, getting bitten by a venomous snake is a fairly quick process. Few serpents, like rattlers, have hollow fangs that act like syringes, pumping venom into the victim's bloodstream. Others possess grooves on the side of their teeth. Both methods allow most venomous snakes to inject cocktails in a matter of seconds. But by comparison, a Gila monster's technique is tortuously long. With his powerful jaws, the lizard will clamp down on the victim and keep its grip for up to 15 minutes at a time. All the while, it gnaws, which draws venom from the storage glands in its lower jaw. <sighs> well, that sounds wonderful, doesn't it? Although bites are almost never fatal to human beings, they are intensely painful. Furthermore, according to Arizona Poison and Drug Information Center, victims may experience localized swelling, nausea, vomiting, high blood pressure, weakness. You know, you get the message, okay? So the bottom line is stay away from these guys. You won't find a bigger native lizard species in the United States. Adult Gila monsters can measure a respectable two feet long and weigh five pounds or more. One might think that the Gila monster venom makes use as a powerful hunting tool, but it seems like they like... A good omelet, just as much as we humans do. A Gila monster, they don't get out very often. Out of sight, out of mind. Many people who live in Gila monster country never see one because the lizards rarely exit their shelters. According to Beck's research, typical Gila's remain underground for more than 95% of their lives. Ideal adobes include abandoned mammal burrows, pack rat nests, crevices beneath large rocks. Every year, they usually spend an equivalent of three to four weeks on the surface. Such excursions tend to take place at night and mostly in April and May. So don't be walking around at night and stay away from the Saguaro National Park in April or May. So that is about all about an extended animal description for the Gila monster. It's something that you don't want to come face to face with, that's for sure. Okay, we come to the part of the podcast that is our new segment, and that is where we discuss dogs and cats. And uh, today I want to talk about the Berman cat. And it's also known as the sacred cat of Burma. 
and is considered in the United States by several organizations as the number one cat that people have in their homes. The Berman cat has long hair, very silky to the touch, has brilliant blue eyes, round, and has white gloves on each paw. And they were recognized by the French and the British cat clubs in the 1920s. In the U.S. in 1966, the Cat Fanciers Association of America was recognizing this beautiful, beautiful cat. The originating breed for the Burman cat is unclear. Possibly the Burmese temples is where first it was bred. And it was almost wiped out in Europe during World War II. It's a medium size, has a rectangular body. Its fur is medium long. And like I said, it's very silky to the touch. It communicates, and this is all of this I'm going to give you now is probably why it's so well liked. It communicates in a soft voice. It's affectionate, very kid friendly. It lives 12 to 16 years, averages 6 to 12 pounds. And again, its disposition is docile, quiet, and usually will follow you around the house just to see what's going on. It's smart and it's curious, and he likes to observe the action. This cat likes to cuddle on the sofa or in your arms or your lap. It likes a clean litter box. It is basically an indoor cat, and for many reasons it shouldn't go out, theft, disease, and other reasons. And that is the dog and cat description for the day, and this is Sacred Berman Cat. And to mix things up even further, usually we will read a poem or possibly a quote at this segment. But I wanted to discuss something else and something I stumbled onto. And it's about the 50 species that are threatened by climate change. And this is going to be list number one. I'll do another list next week. Scientists estimate anywhere between 10 and 14 million species of animals live on this earth, large and small in the seas, on the land, deserts, mountains. And there are 50 species that are threatened by climate change in the future. And I thought I would just quickly go down this list and just let you know how some of these species might be effective if climate change occurs. Number one is the polar bear. Of course, the heat effects on their habitat. The snow leopard, giant panda, green sea turtle, African elephant, they're sensitive to heat during reproduction. The mountain gorilla, their habitat is shrinking. A cheetah, it creates reproduction issues, excessive heat. The poison dart frog, the tiger, that's well known. A dolphin, red panda, marine iguana, greater one-horned rhino, Atlantic cod, giant tortoise, whale shark, Asian elephant, less habitat, less water. Bluefin tuna, African wild dog, hawksbill turtle, Atlantic puffin, koala, fin whale, the dugong, which is like a manatee, and they live in, in Florida, the ice seal, Shenandoah salamander, the amur leopard, leather sea turtle, rusty patch, bumblebee, black-footed ferret, North Atlantic right whale, the javan rhino, sea lion, Hawaiian honey creeper, that's a bird. The olive ridley turtle, nesting grounds, damaged by the effects of climate change. The Honduran brook frog, big-eyed tuna, hippopotamus, southern rockhopper penguin, say whale, the Weems bright-eyed frog, the Sri Lankan elephant, 
the Yangtze finless porpoise, orangutan, the Taytay Hills warty frog, the Galapagos penguin, the blue whale, loggerhead turtle. That just gives you an idea of what's happening out in the animal world and how climate change is affecting them. Well, that is it. It's really been a full episode this time. I hope you enjoyed it. I want to thank you very much for joining me. And as always, I ask you to please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. And check out our website, our main website at zooanimals, it's plural, zooanimals.info. And our merch site which is at zoosware, Z-O-O-Z-W-E-A-R.com, where I've just posted up all of the images for apparel for Christmas. So be sure to check that out. And that's being serviced, by the way, at Merch by Amazon. Again, that's zooswear, Z-O-O-Z-W-E-A-R.com. So I want to thank you very much for joining me. Hope you have a great week ahead, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.